Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. You were defeated, left for dead. All is ashes. Your heart stirs, your broken body numbing with the rage of retaliation. Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation, a new board game set in the world of darkness created by the same team behind Vampire the Masquerade chapters. Flyups, imagination leaping ahead. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to 25 Years BTM. Uh, of course, this version here, I say version because what we're going over today is a werewolf line and it's Dark Ages Werewolf that we're actually tapping into. And of course, this continues our werewolf saga of reviews as we've been going through um, first edition on up and we've gotten to the Dark Ages Werewolf book. Uh, but today to come with me on that journey, we got Mike. Mike, how you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good, man. Good to be back. I'm glad, man. And uh, another thing, man, I want to give you a big thank you uh, for for folks who don't who don't know. You probably have heard that our previous V5 um, players guide um, quality sound was a bit off, and that was because I had done everything I knew at that point to do to meet a deadline uh, to get out there. And when you do that, mistakes happen. And I'm learning to edit. I took it upon myself to to be the guy to step up and and learn those that skill set. I got some smart people helping me out, you know, Brennan, Mike, but uh, Brennan is, uh, we'll call it on vacation for the moment. And I didn't ask Mike. I felt I have the big boy pants. I have the tutelage was given. I knew how to do it. And it's just audio. It's not even the video that is the big effort I'm going towards now. And lo and behold, I, mistakes were made. I, I thought I did everything right. Turns out the one thing I didn't do was re-download it and try again from scratch. And me and Mike took a crack at it. Noticed that some things weren't done and the sound quality was improved. And so with that said, I'm not going to say it's a drastic improvement, but I'm going to say it's a lot better than where it was. And we're going to re-upload that. So you guys want to go back and re-download that if you're hearing this. And there it is. I do make mistakes. But like I say, it's not good enough to admit that you make a mistake. It's that you actively try to improve from it. This is one of those steps. And Mike, you're that improvement. Thank you for helping me realize that with a calmer heads prevail. Saved my life, man. Thank you. Doing my best. It's good times. <laughs> I also want to shout out to the Discord community. It was you guys who reached out and, and talked to me and were patient. And I uh, was looking at your ideas and trying to find a resolution to what went on and didn't quit on it. Uh, because when you guys reach out, it's, it's personal to me to see to it that something gets done. It's unfair to feel like you're yelling into the nothing when people ask for your feed forward. And I asked for your feed forward and you gave me that. So uh, to go go back a lot on Discord, thank you very much for being there and being constructive on that. And for Solanum, um, I call you my cantankerous online German troll, but you are also a guy who just bare bones says it how it is. Thanks, man. I do appreciate it. And you didn't jump in chat so I could tell you that. And my text was like, oh, man, really? What's going on? And But together, we worked through it, figured it out, and we got there. And some nice offers from even CMS there, too. I just want to mention everybody because that chat warmed my heart and it helped me do it, even though um, <clears throat> it was hard to go through. 
But, you know, hey, you need that. That said, this rolls to part two of this. And part two of this is, um, I like to say, getting to know you is part of the fun, Mike. And I told you an interesting story about uh, about my, my go through here. So I'll make this short and sweet. Um, over the last seven years, I've lost 90 kilos. And epic, right? It's a huge difference. Um, you wouldn't notice that. I think a lot of you saw me near the latter half of how that went on because I was pretty much... I don't want to say ballooning around. It puts a real negative spin on it. But in my struggle, when you're an extreme weight and, you ha- and you're looking at that, I don't want anybody to give it. Don't take a photo of me. Don't think about it. You're just in a place where you just don't want to deal with people because you know you're better and you're fighting to figure that out. And it takes more than having a doctor or somebody tell you that, oh, yeah, you should be doing this. There's enough small, thin people flying around the world to tell you, you know, do the liver diet, you know, whatever the liver king did, you know, juice <laughs> up, you know, and you learn there's always some gimmick, some way, genetics and excuses. But the point is, I was eating to have a lifestyle change, to eat the things that make me better. And when I got married, my wife knew all about that. Moa knew all about that and sat down and told me, you know, vegan is the way to go. I said, I won't give up meat. She said, you don't have to give up meat, blah, blah, blah. We went through it. But when I started doing that with her, I saw the most dramatic changes happen. And I know it was an infusion of positivity that I needed, you know, having a child and being married. Those are two magnificent life changes that kind of give you perspective and incentive. And not just those. Those were the added support, but it's the struggle to go through and get educated, make effort, don't quit, don't give up, accept your shortcomings and realize you can get back on the horse even though you fall. And that's why I tell everybody. So that's huge, right? And it's showcased by on my Facebook. I showed the sweatpants I originally met Moen in, in Sweden, which I fit comfortably, which were huge. And then now they look mutant in size comparison. They look like a, look like a giant wore those <laughs> pants. And, and, and me holding them up, they're the width of my chest to put that in perspective. And I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And she said, yeah, baby, you were comfortable enough. And now no way. And I was like, okay, cool. Then I noticed everything else. It's like she did that and put me on blast on Facebook. It showed me the photo that opened up my eyes. Why I share that with you is because it has to, has to feel part two of this crazy story here. As uplifting as that was, you need to stop listening. If you're grossed out easily, this is your <laughs> warning. I'll try to keep it under five minutes. So, Mike, you know how it is. You're a bigger guy. You know what it's like. You you did sports, athleticism, the whole nine, too. You remember those old gimmicks where they told you to eat light and how to lose weight and spit constantly and run in a hefty bag and all that to drop weight? Yeah, yeah. All types of old wives' tricks for manipulating the body. they ever tell you about pooping it away? Negative. <laughs> okay. So there's, a, there's someone who told me about Dr. Stephen Gundry, which is some gastro... Nomics expert, whatever, which I call it a shyster because he's this dude who got rich by telling everybody to drink green or drink these greens that he he creates a special powder that has uh, like I think ACI powder and some other ashwagandha crazy stuff in it. <laughs> and it helps your stomach gut health. And so because you digest better, allegedly, it's going to get rid of all that waste you store in your body. So like anything, many things, if you were in that lifestyle change and looking to see if you're eating the right stuff, we look it up. And as we're looking it up, it turns out Gundry has something to him, but it's not his greens you need to eat. It's just you need to eat more greens. You need to eat the greens that you were always told you need to be eating to get this done. However, my wife was obviously pregnant. She put on like 40 plus pounds easy and she had all this weight. She used dead sexy beforehand. That's why I gave her the baby. 
But <laughs> after after that was done and, and there it is, you know, it was like, okay, cool. This this baby's here. And I said, that's my wife. I don't I don't care what Moa looks like afterward. And I was incredibly positive with her. And I didn't tell her she had a diet, no workout needed, nothing, no how. But in a very short time, she dropped back less than when before she got pregnant is what happened. I was like, hmm. She jokingly said, well, I did take those constipation pills. <laughs> I looked at her and I said, was Gundry wrong? Hmm? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> so here we are walking to the, the Raven Cliff Park out here, the mountain here. Um, that I've I've been to. It's like a workout. It's nothing for most of the people in the area. If you don't know this, all of Sweden's built on the rock that Odin made where no life was supposed to be. And Sweden <laughs> said, I bet you we can find a good way to use that rock. <laughs> so they don't understand flat level surfaces. Everything's built on an angle of some type. It's like you're constantly rolling your ankle even though you're you're walking on cobblestone. It's like, all right, good times, you know. So from our place up to this park, it's all uphill, so it's a nice, good workout, nice distance. It's like two miles, and, uh, you know, no big deal. However, that's at the park where I told her, you know, and it, and it helped that I was at a rock where, you know, historically people, let's just say they retired different back in the day in Scandinavia. You know, the old, if they were taxing the family, they would retire by jumping into Valhalla, and I'll leave it at that, <laughs> off of a height and a sudden stop. Turns out Valhalla is lower than the height they jump off of. You get the picture. And um, if not, check out the movie Midsummer. You're welcome. But anyway, um, that's, that's that's what she's telling me. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, do you right now, I'm going to take those pills you took. And she goes, baby, are you sure? And I was like, I got this. Don't worry about it. We got those pills today, right? And she's <laughs> like, okay, here's your one or two. I took one. I took the second one later. And it hit hard, honey. Are you sure? I was like, come on. Whatever. It's going to act like I got a metric ton of waste sitting on my body just just, just chilling out. doesn't make any logical sense until I take the two pills. Now, I'm thinking these pills didn't work. You know, you have your normal constitution. I'm not, and here's my diet. I eat a thing of Wheaties. Right? Not even Wheaties. It's uh, what's them, what's them brand, brand Flakes. It's Brand yeah, Flakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Right? It's low-fat milk, Brand Flakes. And that's my start. I even think it's vegan milk at that. Actually, it's not even low fat; it's vegan. So it's that. That's what it is. And then we have coffee. These two things are to help you poop. This is my regular. It's on the regular, and I'm like, okay, cool. We've been doing this for like three months. Like I don't care. And here I am. I eat the stuff. I drink the stuff. I take the pill. Whatever. Sitting around. Of course, you have your normal constitutional. No big deal. I'm like, meh. We'll be all right. It was a good, good, healthy, normal thing. No big deal. Yeah. Then. I tell you guys that this is the second recording that we got into because <laughs> in the middle of the original recording, I'm explaining this story and I look at Mike and I'm like, no, like this was <laughs> no. And, uh, oh my Lord, this stuff hit. Now this is six hours later, right? This, this stuff hit and I'm in the bathroom and I was hoping Moa would come in and shoot me. Like would come in and just put me out of my misery. It, it was I'm over there on that toilet and I'm and I'm like I'm like gripping nothing on the sides, wishing there were handles. 
like it was a ride <laughs> in an amusement park. And I'm staring ahead and I'm like, why? Why did I do this? I regret everything. What is going on? And I could hear her chuckling, just laughing hysterically that you did it. You're all you're paid for it. Like, you know, not being malicious, but like, oh, they do nothing, honey. And I'm like, they're doing everything. I was wrong. I was wrong. And then here's what's worse. I'm smelling theater popcorn. <laughs> it's theater popcorn. That stuff that you mythically heard stays in your track lining forever. I went to the theater. It must have been a month ago and had a bucket of popcorn. And now it smells like it's burnt and rancid. Like it's been hanging out, trying to grow in some weird biome that happened in there. Like I'm in, I'm in John Carpenter's film called the toilet. It's supposed to be a continuation of the thing. Only it's lived in my intestines and I had no idea. And oh, it's bad. Don't do it. And I want to say though, we weighed myself when I came out. I lost a kilo. I lost three pounds. And folks, this is an accurate scale. I'm not saying we're geniuses, but we were here looking at a barrow thing, a bariatric scale that would weigh my weight at the time. So I think we were shooting for something that would go. Um, 200 kilos, 250 kilos, 250 kilos is what we were looking for. We found a scale that goes up to 500 kilos is what we did, you know, easily, bariatrically, but that was a $5,000 scale. Oof. Y'all do not support me like that is all I'm going to say. <laughs> there is there is no, that ain't happening. So I was That's like, deep. nah, I guess, I guess the pipe dream, because you can't weigh me on a normal scale. It's just not mm. going to happen, right? Big guys don't get that. And then Mom goes, huh. I remember her looking at the internet and goes, we can't weigh you but there are many companies it's their business of packaging to weigh packages and weight is weight so she literally sweden hacked this man beautifully like her beautiful mind she was like okay cool let's look online how much a scale weighing this for packages would be for freight and she found one that she can get to your house and it was 250 dollars oh wow that was a worthwhile investment and it easily weighs like up to like i said i think it's 500 kilos it may be six actually but we found that, and it's accurate because we use it for our luggage going to the airport mm-hmm. and back. Like you know, I have, have to go back and forth as I'm immigrating, and that's that's a thing. And uh, you weigh it accurate. I mean, it is accurate because weigh it here, weigh it at the airport, it's even. So I know we lost exactly the right amount. So that's a little time for you guys. I understand, but I just wanted to share. I'm a sharer. I share with you all. There's you listen for a reason. After all, just, Dan, Mike, just Bob, check the timestamp so we can tell people. How to skip the part of the pod where your entrails became your extrails. <laughs> well, the fir- first off, I told them, warning you now, it gets gross here. They can chime in. They can chime in and dance back and forth. But if you're listening to a pod and you're out running, you're welcome. You'll need that extra incentive to zone. Just zone, right? Goggins it, right? Be or stay hard. Right? That's what you got to do. So you just, you just Goggins it. You'll be all right. So speaking of Goggins, um, let's roll to Werewolf. Dark Ages or Dark Ages World. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Now, why I say it that way is because this book is part of a line. There's Dark Ages Mage, there's Dark Ages World, there's Dark Ages Vampire. And they did this series to be more basically align everything under a Dark Ages theme with a unique team to do it. And that's that's exactly what they did. However, there's something you might have noticed, Mike. Hmm. Did you catch in there where they said you need Dark Ages Vampire to play this game? Yeah, yeah, called that out right in the beginning. They don't normally do that. What'd you think about that? Um, 
at first it didn't strike me as relevant. I'm like, okay, thanks for the call out. I guess I probably already had it if I bought the Dark Ages werewolf book. And then as I read further, it kind of made sense. Like they wanted to save some space for other stuff they would include. Now, I'm going to say this. Back in the NAM, as it said, there is a, a mentality where, I mean, they even still do it, where when you're playing, like in this World of Darkness storytelling setting, they've done, when you play Vampire, they give you werewolf template opponents for your players to fight. They have vampire stats and disciplines that represent what werewolves can do. And that's what you throw at your players. So you don't have to have those books. It's a smart move to do that. I didn't think they would expand a book based on that system. And that's what this felt like. And, and, and as you read, you begin to see that's kind of exactly what they did. They were like, you could do that, but this works with Dark Ages Vampire. And we're throwing this stuff in. But point is, folks, we're going to talk about the differences of this book. Because I'm going to get out the way. This book is Werewolf, but in the Dark Ages. But let's just call it that. For Werewolf players, that's exactly what it is. There's some nuanced differences, and we'll talk about those. But the simple fact is, is that if you wanted to know what this book is, that's what it is. Pick it up if you'd like that. It definitely gets an idea of what you can look at and what you can do. But hold until the end of this podcast to hear some pretty important differences in terms of if this is your cup of tea. And... <laughs> What I'm referring to, Mike, you know what? Let's let me not refer to it. If you look at our notes, man, what I want to jump in right into is the focus differences. Okay. I feel that some of the biggest things they do it. Did you want to talk about the beginning or anything like that before we do that? Uh, no, not late at length. Just the um, the story's good as the preludes tend to be. I like the characters, like what it says about like the flavor of their culture in the time period. And it's a good intro. That's all. It, it sets the tone. Yeah. But if you're like me, and I, and I think you might be a tad, that's as expected. Like, the werewolf has been pretty solid with having good intros that paint the picture of what their world is like. And this one does it, too. To the Dark Age feel, we said differences. You will see a difference in here as it pays more attention to the Karen life, the titles, and the um, guru society. That story sets that precedent. And you begin to see that a lot more in depth than you have previously. Great thumbs up. Some people are into that. I'm <laughs> one of them. It's good for a LARP setting. Um, that said, where did the focus differ from the modern to the dark ages? Well, for one, it's not time. We're not going to go with the low-hanging fruit here. They focus on werewolves defending the cairn. And that werewolves seek to stop mankind from encroaching on the wild. Those are the two main differences of focus. For, for Guru at this point. Now, the triad still matters, but they they can't really do much about it. right? The triad's the triad. That's, that's a huge super issue. And they can only do it from the perspective that Gaia empowered them to handle. This is that perspective. And at this point, they know to defend their holy sites. And they know to defend their, um, well, defend their cairns. I'll say holy sites make it sound like they're all crusading for the Vatican. But no, <laughs> um, they're defending their cairns. And they're representing their totems and doing that using the power they have wisely. The other thing is, they've already had an impergium, and now they're dealing with what they feel might need to happen again. Because they're looking at mankind during the Dark Ages. And I think we all can agree, historically, brutal time. Mm -hmm. It's a brutal mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And if you're Guru looking at that, and you're supposed to defend Gaia, and you're there going, the wild needs help. These cities are coming up everywhere. They're, they're wiping out pagans. 
they're taking away the people who understood and had a, had a marriage with the land and a relationship. This, this is not good. And this is sort of on their plate. Now that said, did you see any other focuses or any other differing viewpoints that the guru had, Mike? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would call it different because you see it, um, in the modern books as well. But like there was one of the the stories they told where this particular werewolf was hesitating to jump a group of bandits that right that he knew absolutely 100% he could best them if he wanted to because he um what am I trying to say he he considered the fact that bandits prey on mortals already um and I hadn't I've not noticed even Red Talon's thinking that way, like it's in their interest to preserve the destructive elements of human society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that kind of wrong-footed me. It wasn't bad, and I like that that little vignette that was in there too. But there's a couple of points in this book where the werewolves contemplate some stuff or say some things or present their ideas in a way that seems like the modern got flipped on its head. And I, I know we'll get to it, but... Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I like the way you put that because it got me thinking, what exactly are you getting on? Because I noticed some things. Let, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's chew on it. Um, so different focus and some interesting seeding here that Mike put out. I like that a lot. Um, we'll talk about their enemies. Here, their enemies are not so much easy as, okay, it's Pentax. It's not around, right? That's not even present. So what would they be going after? And before you think it's, well, Banes and, 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 and the other spirits, you're not wrong. That's certainly there, but that's not big enough to put in its own book. What they get at here is the enemies is werewolf society itself. Now, what that means is that werewolf society, focusing on defending the Cairns and keeping on the home front, they're battling for territory. They're literally, I mean, you, you hear about this going through any werewolf tribal history we've talked about. There are periods where the tribes... You've heard this infamously, famously even, that the Geta Fenris came over to the New World and started kicking in tents and just massacring people. And because they could do that, it's shown that the werewolves there were too weak to defend their cairn. And so the werewolves just took it. The, the Get took it. And that's what they're doing. And this gave them more than a bad distinction in and out of game about it, right? So that's interesting. But they're saying, yeah, that was on purpose. That's That's as designed because... Before they came over here, and this is the Dark Ages, mind you, territory in Europe now, this is EU. For you Americans, Europe is not Africa, Asia, Russia, right? We're dealing with that EU, right? With the small countries right on top of each other. <laughs> you know, that's called the EU. That's what that's where they're referring to. And, and here in that Europe, as they got, they're talking about where of society as a whole and how they're being clustered and close together, sort of seeing these, these ancient cairns kind of giving that stink eye to one another and uh, honoring territories, but at the same time defending and some encroaching to grow and increase. And reason being, honor is at stake. For instance, if you are a silver fang at a silver fang cairn and for ages your, your descendants have been here ruling and ruling and ruling, but you haven't grown your territory and you have some aspiring get that are there and they feel that, okay, we've come to the sept, we've served, we've been here for a while. Why are we still permitting these these city dwellers that are now in there, these warders of men, as they're calling themselves, to grow and strengthen the cities that we want to see curbed and slowed down? They're too big. They're doing too much. So why don't we go in and do what we, we came here to do? 
and that those politics get involved in honor means that you don't do it. You leave them the territory you granted them, feudal and otherwise, and that's there. You also have family feuds. We know what those are. We don't need to get into it. And in this point, it's more than tribal. It could be relationship-based. It could be interpack issues. This, this focus is there. Breeding rights is a huge thing. And you sort of touch and go heard about it because, you know, in the modern world, the apocalypse, hey, if you can hump to save your species, please do so. We're not pandas, <laughs> right? That's what Guru are being told. And so you need to do that. However, in the dark ages, purity is a thing. And and that's, I mean, it's still a thing in the modern too, but in the dark ages, really much so because they believe in that feudal mindset too. And that's new and introduced to them. And you have that to contend with as well. Many reasons to have one sept and open war with another. And it's almost like just pick one and you can see it happen. All this, and at this time, the Black Sparrow Dancers are hunting and corrupting Guru to their side as certain septs and tribes settle scores with each other. So I'm thinking immediately when we're, we're looking at over the, uh, the Shadow Lord Cairn. Now, you may be thinking that's a little far over, right? It's the Carpathians that we're talking about that's over there dealing with the uh, the Transylvania by night nonsense that they have out there in their backyard. They're mentioned in that book. They're mentioned what they're dealing with, but they do mention it. But if you remember in that book, it highlights the fact that there are get that are pushing even over there, trying to deal with, with, with weak and ineffective leaders and their shadow Lords that are outmaneuvering their leaders and, and all that other stuff, all because they haven't wiped out these vampires off the mountain. And so it's over there as well. What you'll understand is that you can see how a Black Sparrow dancer or two undoubtedly can set some stuff up to try to seduce the people who lose there. And there have been some great stories and novels written about that very thing happening um, in from this time period and in the modern even easier, right? And that's that's how it goes. And so, great. They lay out that groundwork. They could be a foe, but not necessarily a huge focus. Just that's what they're doing. Now, vampires, they highlight. But it's how they talk about vampires that kind of left me. What? Mike, what's the number one problem with a vampire in the dark? It's the biggest threat they have. Uh, the church. Faith is everywhere. Okay. I was going to say sunlight. Well, also that. But, I mean, that's their problem constantly, right? Like, <laughs> that's, that's their problem tomorrow and yesterday. <laughs> the dark okay. ages. I think about the faith thing, which comes up for the werewolves too. But go ahead. <laughs> you said tomorrow and yesterday, but but ne- never like this time, right? I mean, the older, the farther back you get, the harder it is. Sure, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's hand waved a lot about how somebody would travel, right? And and then and then how do you keep out of the sunlight? How's that happen? Well, I have a potato sack and a ring blessed by the Tremere and a contract with the WB to run show about a romance and teenage <laughs> vampires. You know, it would have to be that for it to work. In other words, a lot of STs don't want to bother their players with that. I'm not one of them. I bother <laughs> the players with that. Let me get yeah. this straight. You didn't take any retainers and your resources is exactly zero, Torador. But you got that <laughs> Melia 5, don't you? And you're dancing around with that new sword. It's going to last you exactly as many game sessions. You can seduce your way into a home that has like a cellar where you can, you and the potatoes can live it up with the rancid meat that they're allowing to spoil because it tastes better in the stew for the week to come. And, and, and why is that? You need to stay out of the sunlight. That's why it is. It's a factor. And so that's even in cities. Because you can imagine if you're in a castle, in a castle life, there are people everywhere in feudal society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're all over the place because often it's uh, it's a family thing. So whoever's the lord and lady of the keep, 
they have their cousins, aunts, uncles, nieces, third cousins, whatever. And those people were serving as blacksmiths and bakers and what have you, getting the prime jobs because of familial blood. And then there are serfs who are like the add-ons to the family or direct serfs from other villages that have been allowed in. You want trusted people near you to serve in your village so they don't kill you while you sleep. This is one of the reasons everybody kind of knew everybody else. So I'm trying to imagine throwing caution to the wind and saying that vampires biggest or vampires were a super powerhouse to threaten the guru on an even, even, even footing. They simply weren't. Yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. So it just, it made me think, how is it that the glass walkers in this time are already called warders of men? And the vampires don't have access to all of the same modern technology we expect them to leverage in the modern day. Well, hang on. Go, go ahead. Answer, answer the first question. I know you read it. How do you believe the Warders of Men, how, how, did they be, how did they come to be according to what this book says? I think that they were, for whatever reason, the, the one tribe that could like leverage relationships with mortals and not feel compelled to sniff butts. I'm not sure why. And you're, you're, you're what? You know, canids, they sniff butts for like introductions. No. Okay. never mind. No, wolves, wolves can. Wolves can. I'm not saying <laughs> that they don't, but I'm trying to say the waters of men to you, they just sniff butts and that's why they're able to do it. I'm just no, making no. sure that's your official statement. They're, they're the ones who don't feel compelled to sniff butts so they can like, get in with mortal society and, and make friends. And like, you know, in the modern day, we have our glass walkers who know how cell phones work. And in the dark ages, I assume we have our waters of men who will like, I don't know, train farmers how not to have their livestock eaten and pretend to give a damn about agriculture or whatever to integrate. That's what I think of when I hear waters of men, they're, they're playing a role in what the mortals have going on which means they should be especially well-equipped to root out these vampires that they can smell from a mile away because of the worm taint and or, you know, the ghouls they made or something. Well, I'm, I'm going to take what you said is, is kind of, kind of, you're kind of right, right? You said something important here. You said how they were, they were able to be amongst the men, right? The yeah. mankind that is. And they're, they're in the city with them to see how they live and how they be. They're monitoring from within. Now, did you read anywhere where they told you what tribe they used to be or where they came from or how it is that they, they got to be what they are? No. no. I'm going to say no. So there's, because there's, my a, memory's there's, vague. there's a statement that before they were warders of men, that's the Dark Ages, they were referred to as the warders of apes. What? Right. And they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that they, were, they inhabited the region in the Middle East that, that would eventually be like Palestine is the hint. Uh, that is thrown out there, and that they were marauding around with the with the Jewish population, mm-hmm. and uh, basically evolving side by side with the human inhabitants in that region. That that's how it went. That's uh that's that's the quote I took looking this up, and I was like, makes sense, makes solid sense. Now the waters of apes. Before you think that's highly offensive, I need you to tone down your blackness a little bit because <laughs> I had to because you got to remember apes in this reference is from a lupus mentality. The okay. derogatory term okay. for humans and, and werewolf, the game, is ape, because you're a hairless ape. All mankind is. You are the uh, the cave dwellers, the the, the knuckle dragging um, Neanderthals. 
right? That's what it is. You're primitive thrown in there. Now we understand that can't hold in the modern <clears throat> because some racist a-holes took those monikers of what an animal might refer to us as, which is where that colorfully came from. Was somebody thinking what an animal must see a human as when referring mm-hmm. to evolution. We came from the forest. We were simian. And then we came out of there. We weren't always like that. And then here we are. Now, that's a belief and that's how it went. And someone decided to make it, you mean like black people? <laughs> and it's like, oh, because in Africa, we it's too hot to wear all that clothing. And you think we didn't have a civilization? Yeah, you should crack a history book and read more and then shut up. Because <laughs> uh, we were ruling nations before y'all figured out what to do with it. And you had to steal your shtick from the Native Americans, America, to learn how to, how to live over there and make that happen. So tip the queen. Enjoy your tea, or I'm sorry, coffee. You're different, and that's that's sort of my mentality to it, right? It's like yeah. things change, and you can be offensive depending who you are. But for the writers in this, they put a hard nose look at what a lupus would refer to as what these guru were doing. Because remember, werewolves aren't humans; they simply aren't. No matter what you want them to be, they have five forms, and they can go from wolf to human, but they're not wolves either. They're something else. And they're supernal. So with that mentality, they're better. It's without contest. They're better than any one wolf or any one human. And so they, they're evolved and they have this elitist mindset. Now, how could they not have that? If you are simply better in every physical way with might and power to kill any human easily, of course you're going to look at them as other, right down the food chain, so to speak, because that's what we do as, as a human species. So that title, Warders of Ape, is just to defend it a bit and help everybody get in the right mindset. And talking about how there were werewolves who got smart and decided that they need to keep an eye on mankind and see how they're growing and see what they do. But remember, when they become Warders of Men and they're in the Dark Ages, the Warders of Men realize this church is something like a player. Mm, mm. This church is going to be something. Now, why they say that is because they convince people to stay in the cities. Like before this, when you came in, what was a, what was a, you had like a village maybe and be some grass huts and you're hanging out and you're talking to the local shaman and your child gets a disease and yeah, you know, it's pray to the spirit. Maybe some roots will help them. And sometimes the holistic medicine did other times they were dead as a duck, right? They're just, they're just dead as a doornail. Excuse me. Ducks are pretty lively last I checked, but the <laughs> simple aspect is they would die off and nothing would happen. You couldn't do it unless the great spirits intervened. And let's just say not a whole lot of humans can call down the power of the great spirits. But you were at harmony with the forest. And to the animal's mindset, you're a species of animal that accepted that loss as part of nature. The wild said it was your time, it was your time, and you go. And, you know, maybe even the worm kills you, and it's your time. It's the way they looked at entropy in a lot of ways. It's what the worm should have been doing. And uh, he, he went crazy, though. We'll leave that where it is. But the point is, as the Waters of Men were looking at it, they saw how mankind somehow took a turn for the better. They stopped going into villages, and because when you have one mighty village, Mike, and that's your village, <laughs> and I see that you have better resources than my village, because my ancestors set up in a weird spot, or you know, climate change uh, adjusted whose crops are fertile, because we don't know about crop rotation right now, but we did get down hunting and gathering sucks, so let's plant some stuff and have it around. Well, I realize that our plants aren't growing so well. My people need to eat, and I look over your village. You're thriving. You got everything I need and you're farther away. And I go, we got all these stores and we got desperate people. Hey, let's just go take what they got. (laughs) 
Welcome to how it used to happen back in the day. Your leaders said go, people got up, they ran out and sacked, killed, pillaged, raped, came back with resources, kept their own land and took that over if they killed everybody. And by the way, yes, had slaves. Actually, that was quite common to conquer a people and take a people for your own desires and or needs. It's just how we got to be what we are. Now, that said, what changes that is a moral change. It's a different perspective. Along comes religion. Now, I'll spare you where it originated and everything else, but look up Zoroastrianism. Take a look at light and dark and the spiritual and the physical and how mankind evolves from those religions. And that region is in Persia, ancient Persia, in fact. And then eventually you come to a um, Judaism and then their mindset of what they have is they wrote it down in a book. And then, boom, soon you have Christianity and then you have Islam. And they're called the people of the book for that reason because it came from the same reason in three different directions it went somehow. Look that up, educate yourself if you're that curious. But that's what happened. Now, if you're Guru, who is a different race looking on the outside, watching mankind go through this, you were happier than a pig and shit. That they were just having a village, growing a populace, but then killing each other off. and Because they were basically rotating the populace and culling the populace at the same time along with nature. So they weren't growing beyond what they could be. You got a little hairy eyeball when they were ahead them cigarettes in Sumeria though. Yeah. You know, and you saw the hanging gardens. You were like, what are you doing people? Yeah. You know, Rome <laughs> gave them a big scare, a big scare. Right? Ooh, we got to do something bad. Right. <laughs> but it's at Rome that the warders of apes said, you need to keep an eye on humans. They got something to them. They're like, ah, then Christianity comes along and they're like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to keep an eye on them. And everyone's like, do you? And the bone armor's like, yeah, we're here. We we could see, you know, there's something here. There There is a spirit. And there was, right? And we know it's the weaver. Mm-hmm. We know the mm-hmm. weaver was empowered by mankind's advances and their curiosity and their ability to evolve. And it's that tribe that is actually helping, is, is really benefiting from it. Because as they're watching how humans benefit, they start turning an ear to the weaver and paying a yep. little more attention to what they have going on. And... They were like one of their biggest books. They're showing them how to do a turnaround. It's it's the Bible. They're hard watching Christianity and Catholicism specifically because let's just say when Charlemagne comes around and says convert or die, what, what do you think happened? The guru were like, hold up. What are you doing? And they're <laughs> like, you heard us. We'll come and we'll kill you, you pagan, or you will do this. Like, man, rawr, I'm a werewolf, son. What, what's that? And then they were like, we, those men died in the name of God, and you still have another 30,000 troops to go through. And they were like, we're a pack of five. Mm. <laughs> and, to get her, and to get her yelling, die well. And the warders of men came through and go, don't worry, we got silver. We'll make it quick. And then they shut their plate, right, their plate <laughs> helmet. They just closed the lid. Why? The warders of men were like, you get came through and stole what wasn't yours because we couldn't keep it. Here's mankind. They got something to say. And that is, yeah, you either convert to their peaceful religion or they eliminate your devil-worshipping pagan self and are getting you out the way. That's what they learned to do, is that they learned to live with mankind, strengthen themselves with mankind, and influence mankind was the way to go. And taking it away from the primitive, savage way they've been doing it so far, though efficient. Does that explain the warders of men a bit better? It does, but it does. It also raises questions for me about the nature of their conflict with the vampires and how do I say if you it? I'm trying not to turn an, this into a tangent. <laughs> if you can't have that on this podcast, a tangent, then you don't know me. 
Okay, okay. You don't know me, son. So, so here's you what I got it. in my head. And you just just stop me when I when I get too far afield. All right. What I'm sure. thinking is vampire elders. Mm-hmm. They've been around, or at least they think they've been around for just as long as the werewolves have, right? One of the things they do, like one of their trademark tactics, is we don't want to be out in the front line because we don't want to waste our immortality. We're going to manipulate and leverage people, blah, blah, blah. They have also, from time to time, had to fight a werewolf. We can assume they know the secret of the silver. Vampires know how to kill werewolves because that's just like part of the background setting, right? So how do we have elder vampires living amongst men doing their secret shadowy manipulative stuff? Knowing mm-hmm. what they know about werewolves and waters of men from time to time leveraging the silver advantage and manipulating men and like not wiping out the Garu. Because I kept. Well, I, go ahead. You're asking how did the vampires not wipe out the Guru? Yes. Because I. Because. Go ahead. Because the vampires by nature influence mankind. They go with the flow. They do not, and they've been doing it since since before Rome. Like ancient Greece is when they started learning to do it. And you owe this this credit's given to the Venture Clan, as we know. Go back and listen to our review of the Venture Clan in the Dark Ages when we went over that supplement. But they basically are the ones who do it. They even give credit to a Venture. I believe it is. It might even be Camilla. I could have that wrong. Who who took the the initiative to ghoul like Kyrgyz. Mm-hmm. Who who gives you the Lycurgus reforms, which and Lycurgus reforms created Spartans. Mm-hmm. So you understand how that influence works. It's not that Lycurgus wasn't going to create Spartans; it's that they creatively wrote in that this this vampire patron supported Lycurgus to go forward and do it, and inspired him to create what he did. And Spartans were born. So that type of power the Guru do not have. And they don't have it because the Guru are more arrogant than vampires. A Guru born at birth is more equipped with that power when they go through their first change to deal with savagery and violence than a neonate vampire. These are just facts. They're <laughs> built differently. We're built as vampires to manipulate, hide in the shadows, and we are ambush predators. It's not that we can't get powerful or be powerful, but we operate under certainty and there are no heroes in our world. It's not mm-hmm. what it's about. We feed on our prey in all aspects. That's socially, that's actually, and we even live in their homes a lot of the time. We even enslave them to our will. But that's not their viewpoint. To those mortals, they're going to have a good and don't know why, unless they do. And that's mm-hmm. up to the vampires. So if you see that, how a guru influences, or how it is at this point, a guru influences because they're your kinfolk. That's usually why they give a shit. Yeah, this yeah. is our kinfolk stock of the people we're mating with. So these are our people, and we'll look out for them. Everybody outside of this, though, you're on notice because we got to protect our territory, our turf. This is ours. The great spirit says this guy, but not that guy. We listen to animism principles, and the spirits get involved in our business and what we choose to do and not do. So we're defending these holy sites and turf, and we were made for a specific reason. No vampire knows that. The guru are tied to a spirituality that guides them into what they should be doing. And so they do that. Not always. And usually their selfish natures kick in as being humans, that part of them that is human, to guide them down the path that is that part of the worm, right? Or however you want to put it. Weaver gets corrupted or whatever. They should have more wild in their diet. But the point is, (laughs) that happens. So if you can agree to that, the werewolves are awesome physically, but they're hampered in the beginning socially mentally in that regard. I'm going to say mentally. They're not deficient. It's just their priorities are given to them and they're learning to live up to the hype of what they are. 
that's what all the society's geared to do with renown, right? Seeing the praises of which, what have you done, young cub? <laughs> right? That's werewolf. Yeah. In yeah. vampire society, when that elder is sitting there and you're in the dark ages and they look at look at you, young Mike and young Bob, and they go, um, neophytes, you're here. What have you done for me in this demence? Anything at all yet? It's been a decade. What is your worth? <laughs> And, and, and I raise my little hand and I go, I, I, I'm participating in the Crusades, my lord, my liege. I serve you in, in Clan Venture. I have, have learned this with these accolades and these boons, have netted these favors. He goes, mm, very well. I'll acknowledge you to be a squire finally. Welcome. Please get to the side and be quiet. Um, <laughs> but you, Mike, what have you done for me? And Mike goes, I ain't killed you yet. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> very colorful a stake him for tonight perhaps it'll teach him some manners and by the way when he's done unstake him give the night off to our serfs he can clean the latrine that seems to be duty that will remind him he's but a gangrel thank you and move on <laughs> do you get that difference yeah 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 there's a night aristocracy that loves stomping on the neck and then influencing the mortals but they don't get in their way because that's their food and if their food's doing great and being prosperous and all this wondrous stuff, of course you let your food get arrogant, haughty, and powerful, and money-hungry, and whatever. Because, strangely, if you leave mortals in a good place, and all the resources are there for them to live longer, they get to humping. And when they <laughs> hump, they have a child. I know. That's what I did. And if, you, and if you do that, and it's great, and it starts happening, you do more of it. You build a community of strong, like-minded people. And we mortals are ignorant to the fact that there's a vampire patron back there going, ha, 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 ha. I tricked him once again. And that's all it takes is a determined mortal and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's not how guru think. And so for them, two different things, one being social-based predators mm -hmm. and the other one being an actual physical dominant predator, you have two very different priorities in the beginning. Now, eventually, they meet in the middle where who's to say who's more stronger and not. However, you got to give big ups, as this book points out, to the vampires in the city. Because the vampires in the city have allowed and yoked their herd to become a power and a force in the world by not getting in their way. They've helped them, they've been there, but they're not in their way at all. And by them not being in their way, you can see how, okay, this becomes a tricky thing. The werewolves sitting outside the city and their cairns going, we got to do something about that place Mike and Bob, Sir Mike and Sir Bob are now at <laughs> before they become Lord Mike and Lord Bob because they're not going to die. I know they're vampires. They only fight at night. And their victories are huge. Bob's been impaled at least twice trying to earn a name for himself, taking out some pagan that's on the other side, I'm told, might even be for Moria. But he's killed them, so we gave him a pass then. But he shouldn't be over on that turf because it was too close to the Sep grounds. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know that, but if he comes back, we'll kill him. But that's our honor. That's our creed. And that's that generation of werewolves because they're mortal still. They're not immortal. Well, when they die, who's to honor that word when I come back as Elder Bob, now Lord of the Dements? And when I'm here, there's another 30,000 to 70,000 mortals that have grown in this area and have farmed, rotate crops, built houses, the castles built, and a church has been put in. Ooh, now we got <laughs> something. And Vampire Mike joined the church. Went a different way. I'm tired of all the violence. Yep, God wills it. Deus volt. This is great. And <laughs> something the guru have to deal with in the Dark Ages is that religion. Because as the Warriors of Men learned, as the Warriors of Men learned, it is hard for us to separate what we are from what the mortals are because they drank the Kool-Aid, you see. Yes, yes. The other, the other. 
Okay, we're on the same. Next question. There's a point. There's another one of the stories about what is his name? I forget his name. It sounds Latin, but it means hand of God. Hand of God is having a conversation with some other werewolves. And he's like, I'm Christian. You can't blame the faith on what the behavior of these dickheads is. The faith means what it means, blah, blah, blah. Christians are fine. Where? What is the source of the, the giant like werewolf resistance? to the, the bringing on of these Christians as if they, having actually met their spirits and knowing about their cosmology, can't do what every big faith does, which is fold the other thing in, or vice versa. The Christians don't have a cult of Gaia or the Weaver or whatever. Like, why Why does it... But werewolves are not turned by holy symbols like vampires are. But there's this persistent theme... There's this persistent theme of like, because the Christians are here now, we must fight. They're killing our pagan kinfolk. Why don't we just take some Christian kinfolk? Did I miss a step? So I think what you're saying is why they didn't try to infiltrate and just assimilate. Exactly. Because that's what I would have okay. expected. And when I was getting into the book, I was expecting to hear some kind of weird hybridization of werewolf animism and, and Christianity because we got Easter and we got Santa Claus. The, the, the answer they're hoping you go with is that you understand that the vampires won. That doesn't work. At this time, the Tordor and La Samba are two big clans mm-hmm. that are heavily influencing church direction. And where they're not controlling them, they are kind of allowing them free-flowing ideas to move forward and do whatever. And they're giving them this idea that the Inquisition is needed. Right? That this is something we need. That's a testament to, I think, something like the 600 witches that were destroyed when they were taking over the Iberian Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Like some huge conquest the Spaniards did where everybody was a witch. They were just basically committing femicide on anyone they thought was like disobedient or what have you and calling them a witch. Yep. And in the world of darkness, they're like, well, really bad for the Bali, really bad for the infernalists that were like less than a one, less than a percent of who they actually killed. But then it's also a win for them because all that innocent blood they spilled in the name of their church. And you begin to understand you forgot about the worm. Hmm. That's the number one thing. This book doesn't point it out, but I'll do it for you. Because all the books up till now that we reviewed do one thing. The Black Furies called it the Great Patriarch. That's the actual villain that they're fighting. And they're coming through, and this patriarch is literally supposed to be a talent of the worm. And it's out there, and it's done stuff. Well, the writers realized, even back in the day, that's dumb. You can come up with something better than the patriarch, and you don't need to answer why. The reason why corruptors corrupt is because they do. Yours is not to ask why, but to see what they do. And you don't need to know because they, they don't want you to know. Mm. But anybody who understands what corruption does, it is the best and sweetest fruit to let somebody else decide to eat it. And you didn't force them to. So enter the new reigns of power where you have mortals on one side saying Deus Vult, God wills it. And they're warring with Islam because what you're referring to, the hand of God is referring directly to the fall of Constantinople. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, the sacking of Constantinople. And why did Constantinople fall? Well, we remember, as they point out in the book anyway, he's mad because it didn't fall because of anything. It wasn't Christianity's fault that it happened. Yeah, it was it just fell. corruption. Yeah. yeah it was greed. Right. He throws yeah. it out. It's greed, and he's pissed. And he's trying to wake these guru up to because the guru think it's because it's men and they're, they're, they're shit, and that's why they did it. But is he wrong? He's arguing on a moral principle that if these sinners 
had followed and trust their faith, they wouldn't have sacked the nearest place to justify while they were over there. They were over there serving God's will and should have realized and left in peace that situation. Instead, they were coming back broke and chose to sack it instead. And that's on them. Yet, the guru go, but by doing that, you're fulfilling this, this prophecy, this shadowy prophecy, and that's the first nail that went in. That's what the Red Talons had to deal with. That was their prophecy. Mm. And you're like, okay. Well, that's their whole hang-up. The guru didn't care about it until they realized it fell in line with the prophecy some guy said when they came out and talked about it. We'll get to that prophecy in a second. But that's yep. the real reason why they care at all is because it was canon written in that this fill, fulfills and lines up with the prophecy that they were <laughs> talking about uh, in this book directly. Now, to follow that further, let's let's peel that onion back correctly. And when you look at it, mankind is realizing its own power is in keeping communities of like-minded folk that work together to not kill each other, but to prosper peacefully and lastingly to create legacies and to defend those legacies and to spread that goodwill peaceably so that people do convert like you're talking about. And then there's some badass rulers like Charlemagne are like, you're going to convert or die. We weren't giving you options. And that's mm. just how it went. And there was no one with the power to stop them. And it happened. And a lot of people, even to this day, are like, eh, really? You know, it worked out. But why you say it worked out is because you weren't there in that era. Right. Right. Here, everybody talk about how awesome Charlemagne was. Right. And talk about the people they took down and then tell me how good those folks were. Right. That's that's what I'm getting at. Excuse me. But the point is, that's the mortal half. And that was terrifying. And that's history. Now consider, wait a minute. There were vampires in that mix. We know that Constantinople fell because, really... The Methuselah's, the Methuselah drama relationship nonsense that was there, that's what toppled. That's what caused that to fall down. The faith was greater when everybody believed the actual Archangel Michael was bunking in some castle or great citadel that was on the inside of the city of Constantinople. Hmm. And when that dude died, as Methuselah's are, his presence was felt and, and it, was, it was missing, was absent. And everyone felt that blow in the world of darkness. That was the point. Constantinople was a huge fall. Read even further, and you read how the Bali are the ones responsible for it, but not as a clan, as one entity. A woman, hell hath no fury like a woman spurned. And Maria is awesome for that. You know, she she's awesome. Read that story, read that tale. I feel that is one of the best that they've done with this whole World of Darkness saga. And it's, it's done well enough to feel that, like, of romance and tragic romance, that, that I dig that story. I feel that. And mm -hmm. um, I don't see any claim when I see it. I see two lovers and one guy rose to great hubris until his mighty fall at the hands of his own. Well, honestly, he realized he did love her. And it is what it is. And it's beautiful, right? But that doesn't say about his uh, his bisexuality or the lovers he took with the Zemis and the humanity he was spreading and, the, and that drum he was beating is no longer there to be beaten. Hmm. And so what happened? You had the worm, or the patriarch, if you feel, as I feel that this is written to be that, that mankind itself is the patriarch. Do you see how that goes? The Black Fury talk about it. And the way I always took it, even when we read the Black Fury tribe book, is uh, the first one, is that what they're saying is, is that mankind has this need for wanting more than it can have. It's sort of Native American principles you've heard said. You ever hear it say that the white man has a hole in him that he can never fill? Yep. And this is the hunger times. and the source of his greed, right? That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And that all of mankind has that potential. But to a people who are down to earth and understand that moderation is there so that all can live in peace. And mm -hmm. no one owns the land. 
These are things and principles that simply are there that manifest destiny. Philosophy given to the Americas later on is, uh, well, born, I should say. I think manifest destiny was always there. It just depended on who was winning, <laughs> right? That urge to take over more territory is a manifest destiny. Um, but point being is that so if you have the humans feeling that way and they're going at each other and you have these werewolves who are looking at them going, huh, Constantinople falling can't be good. You even had the Red Talons going, well, I mean, that's a win, right? <laughs> they, were, they weren't 100% like, okay, the city, great, the city's gone. Screw those people. Like, you know, it's, it's done deal. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go back to Red Taloning, I guess, and then wondering, what does this mean? And then not wondering for very long because they're wolf-based um, until they hear this prophecy, right? Now, the other effect is the worm, as I dance around that, we know, and we could tie that correlation, the patriarch becomes the evolved story of what mankind is. You know, if it helps you even imagine that it bred itself and spread its power so you couldn't just eliminate it like mm-hmm. any good villain does. And it does it amongst the people you were there to protect. Ha ha ha. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Corruption at its finest. Leave it up to them, the devil says, and we'll see who chooses your your way of life of uh, of nothing, Lord, and my way of everything. And let's see how, how that works out. Right? Will you wager a soul for the bet? You know, that sort of feel is what that is. Now, that's what mankind does, isn't it? When Michael falls and the in the in the morality drops because the religious push isn't there anymore as strong as it once was, people turn to greed, mm. and then they interject the greed and power of the church as historically was there and, and intensify it with what entities were there in the world of darkness, and so that's what's there. Understanding that bigger piece of the pie helps you kind of get okay. Now we get to understand the werewolf mentality. We're in the outside looking at man, going, "We got to cull this populace." They're now killing each other where they were increasing in populace and they're killing each other for land. No, they're killing each other for religious differences and they're completely wiping each other out. They're burning things down. They're damaging the woods. They're taking over more land for these crops they're growing. They don't understand how to let the the growth be what it is and to move where there's more food, right? The seasons change. So you move dummy. When it's too yeah. cold, you get up and move to elsewhere and you stay healthy for it. And that, that, that struggle to live is the point of life. And they're like, nah, man, surfs, <laughs> surf decadence and everything else. We need to rule. These people need to rule these simple folk. And that's what it is. And, and, the, guru can't, and the point, right. And the, and the point is, is that the guru can't understand that mentality because it doesn't make sense. And mm. it's them being forced to change with the times for being a bit anachronistic. And the times, though, weren't always going to change. It can be said that if the idea of book religion never came about, if that never took, you wouldn't have the society would be quite different than what it, than what it was, because you had Hammurabi code, right? That came about from some of this, right? You know about Hammurabi. Everybody knows an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. So the concept of justice was there, but justice isn't necessarily hand in hand with religion. Yeah, yes, yeah. not necessarily there. And so that's the thing, and that's something for the philosophers. But the point is. The guru are looking at this, learning that they have to understand philosophy, and they're going to have to get into this a bit more. Uh, to, in other words, it's good the orders of men are there. Let's ask them what's going on. And the orders of men come ba- come come back and go, Christ is God, <laughs> right? To a pissed off guru nation, like you know, Gaia is real. Like, pay attention, pay attention, <laughs> right? What's your issue? And that's kind of what's there. But that's the sting in this book. I heard you say it's exactly what I said. It's a foul taste in the mouth. Like you can't. I couldn't understand if I'm if I'm catching you right. I think part two of your statement was how is it the guru are just letting 
Like, why is it such a big deal for them to feel like they're getting, you're a Christian? How? Yeah. You're not even human. How are you Christian? You wake up every day and feel the connection to the Umbra. You know spirits are real. You know totems and what they are, and the Incarna, and the names of Celestines, and the triad exist. And you know Gaia put you here. And you know these terms are your people's terms. But how are you getting that confused with what mankind told you, which is nowhere near as old as our own race of being? Yeah. So how well, is this twisted? Why don't you just think of Jehovah as an incarnate of Helios and move on? Like, <laughs> And the answer can be said in its simplest form. I got two. The first one is it's a business angle. Hmm. They need the readers to tie an attachment to somebody in here. And it's not going to be to the werewolves. But ever, however, we can get behind religion because that's how our society was formed. This is our history mingled with the supernatural. So if you understand the human mindset, you understand how easily they're corrupted. Most people don't even question the religion that they were put on in their family. It's a part of the tradition. Like there are still people who like like Thanksgiving. And, I, and I've been like this for, for ever since I said, why do we practice Thanksgiving still? <laughs> well, it's to give thanks for the, well, it's turkey and the natives. Hang on. We came over and screwed those people over royally. And we basically raped the land. Like they showed us how to live on it because we would have died starving if they didn't. We traded for it. And the thanks was we shot them in the head and bought their land and forced their people elsewhere. And to this very day, still treat them like shit in terms of historically and, and really all other all across the board. Why? Who are we thinking? <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, let's let's just eat your peas. Father's cutting the turkey with the electric knife. You can just stop that thinking right there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, fantastic. And that's, and that's sort of how a lot of people do it. They just take it at carte blanche. It's the piece of the holidays and you let it happen. And then what it's converted that tradition has become a way for families to bind together. Now understand how insidious religion is. You need people to feel together and oneness and be together in happiness because a group of humans together with familial bonds that have a nuclear family, what do they do? They, Circle up, protect one another, multiply, and outlive generations uh-huh. of our room. We need them to hump. We yeah. need them to hump, says the Catholic Church. We need yeah. to grow our numbers. And if they feel that there are traditions that are awesome and festive and they get all this cool stuff when they do it, like that's what Christmas is. By the way, Christmas is a pagan holiday. We completely take over. In fact, a series of them. So's Easter. That's the conversion. That's the peaceful half of conversion that they tried to give to the people who begrudgingly started converting so they weren't killed. Hmm. Right. That's, that's what they had to do to survive. And that's and that's it. And when you think of that insidiousness, what is this a play for, really? Well, there's a reason the Catholic Church has Vatican City, a city within Rome itself. They are so powerful. They're a world power in real life. They are a consulted thing. The, the Pope is a stronger in the world. Right. <laughs> so is Islam. Their nation rolls deep, son. And that's and that's how it works. Right. And the simple fact, and by the way, and, and the Jewish people are still getting beat up about Judaism as if they, they set out to rule the world first because they're the oldest, right? And it's, so so now, like, everything they're involved in, like, thank you, Kanye West, they're now demons into their own right because of what, <laughs> they, you know what I mean? It's like you're, you're out of your mind with how a lot of that's presented. But the point isn't lost that mm-hmm. the structure of religion to grow from a cult to a bona fide religion is to convince people to self-propagate um, and, and um, produce more followers from within the family structure. And yes. so if we can do that, thumbs up. And so that's what they're doing. And where are the guru mating with humans at? They're taking their humans from the city that have grown. They weren't always there. 
But as these cities grow and we are not going in to destroy them because the guru said as a nation, according to this book, we know that we can rise up as a nation united, all 13 tribes, and smoke mankind's cities and set them back to the Stone Age and then force them to grow proper, except we also know not all of us would unite in that endeavor. We know the warders of men, we know the children of Gaia, and we know the Bonars are three tribes who are strong with the humans, who are going to oppose us directly. And unfortunately, if the Get Offenders get on board with them, and they just might, the Get love a good fight and a chance to prove themselves, and if the Black Furies who they're rivals with decide that they're going to go and, and wipe out the cities, the Get might split or change sides or whatever, just because. Yeah. Now the Silver Fangs and Shadow Lords would have that too, and they know all this drama of their society might split, rift, and do it. They'll still take that city, but at what cost to themselves? And they'll be completely different. And only the worm wins in that. And yeah. then you have the fact that's assuming the vampires don't start, hey, you silver. What's that? <laughs> we know we know what this new fighting force is, you silver. Just what are they? They're, <laughs> they're devils. They're devils from hell, and they've been humping wolves. And spreading that blood around. That's not even a lie. That's how insidious that is. Right? It's not <laughs> even a lie. Except yep. for the fact that they're not devils. Unless you define what a demon is. I was going to say. because mm? <laughs> Right? Maybe. <laughs> right? If a demon is a bad spirit, then the devil is. But the devil was a fallen angel, the first one, and was perfect. Yeah. Right? The sweetest of words, the best of visages. We all know the stories. So as you look at that religion and beat that drum, the guru go, ah, we're coming to take the city. And it's like, oh, you're using silver against them. Silver burns you. It's the Mm. light of God. The eye of God is on that weapon. And it knows you're wicked. That's why it burns. And suddenly, no one beats a drum like the Catholic Church, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know? It's a, and what's the new test? By the way, the Inquisition was killing werewolves. They had all crazy tests, just like witches. One of them is dunking. If we can drown you, Mike, and you, you drown, that means you were a werewolf. <laughs> but if we drown you and you shape change and destroy your binds and come after us, well, then the wolf's bane is supposed to keep you at bay. And then the silver will kill you. We know how to deal with you then. However, if you get out of the binds and you kill everybody and you run amok, now we know you're a werewolf and we're going to kill the people over here that were associated with you because we got to find where the taint is. Right. Because somewhere on your body is the devil's teat. <laughs> you made a pact with Satan to get your power. You get it. Nobody wins in this in any supernatural capacity that becomes revealed to the church at this time. And they're just the target. This is the power of the church and the Pope. Mm-hmm. So we got to stay out of that limelight. That's also the power of the patriarch or mankind, if you will, or the weaver. Whatever slice of perspective you want to take here, that's where this is. This book, though, does a poor job of highlighting all that. Yep. Okay. Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I have this knowledge from reading all the books up to this point. I had to read all (laughs) the books to get here and go. I took extensive notes and looked at where it is. And if I look at my notes, clearly I can get it, but I got to backtrack and reference. uh, Why is it you're like this again? And then we got to understand it. And then it's not exactly clear. Okay. Huh? Cause. So. Heroism. I distinctly got the flavor that one of the things that we're trying to communicate with this Dark Ages situation was that it was early enough for us to not, like, be damned to an apocalypse. Uh-huh. You, get, you get what I'm trying to say? Like, I do. The, the feeling is that the werewolves here could do something or 
could have intervened or pulled some leverage where they didn't. And we ended up with the modern that we ended up with. And I was looking for what, what was that move? What was that tipping point that they missed? Is well, it the, the, go ahead. You said the tipping point that they missed and due to the time, because we went deep um, is to understand that I want to get the biggest story layout of what goes on here. That's really the fuel for the werewolves at this time. Yeah. yeah and you okay. mentioned heroism. And what rolls into that is you've already broken the door open for this, right? The the calm before the storm is actually the fact that they start getting into this prophecies of shadow. Oh, okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, it made me mad too, but I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt your flow. Well, well, I'll just say what it is real quick, and you can tell us why it made you mad because okay. I'm curious. All right. So, what happens is, is that a great event of a, of an eclipse occurs. In, in May and something like the year, where is it? 1230. 1230. So this, this eclipse occurs. And in the fall of Constantinople marks the sign of, of the portents. And the guru wait for the next prophecy to come true as outlined in the prophecies of shadow. And this eclipse is supposed to put them on notice. Now, who who Songs of Shadows is, is somebody that came from the Umbra and bid the Red Towns to spread the prophecy that they were told by the spirits. And each of the tribes have a prophecy laid out before them. Now, Mike, can you do me a favor mm. to give a little taste of what we're talking about? Can you read the Black Fury prophecy from the Songs of Shadows that they came out with so, so everybody can get a good grasp of what <laughs> these are like? Okay, here we go. <laughs> I saw a dying mother birth a child in lands that wept black tears. Maiden, mother, and crone all stood by and watched the mother die at the hands of a great frozen darkness. Their choice echoed in the hallways as hollow footsteps on marble. When the blood on the floor dried, the death play ended, leaving only children and their sisters to pick up the bones and ligaments and weave them back together again into a semblance of life. The Lady of Bone and Sinew deserted the Furies then, leaving them to shift their faces one to another. All must change before the great night falls. Okay. <laughs> so if you thought that was going to answer questions and clear up stuff, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> right? It's just not. And I don't think that was its intention. I have a feel that the Dark Ages line, and we won't know until we review Dark Ages Mage and get through all that and, and you know get there. But I feel the line was, was toting these, these different things for genres to chew on. Just a different feel entirely to have that proc stand on its own and get them stuff to do. So where werewolves have this apocalypse, the Songs of Shadows, no doubt, has some special reason they were there that we haven't read yet and came out and talks about these portents from the Deep Umbra. They even talk about the fact that Songs of Shadows went on this great journey. That's where they were fighting all sorts of challenges and spirits and then was just gifted this prophecy, came back and spread the gospel as they were bid to do. And then the Red Talons they told were like, why the hell are we listening to you? And so imagine that Songs of Shadows came out and was like, Ruru, Ruru, Raggy, I have interesting news. And the Red Talons were like, that's highly offensive, bro. We can understand you. And they were like, well, okay, but it's prophecies. You need to hear them. And then the Red Talons sat around like lupus do, and they let the talking monkey speak. And they're in lupus, so they got that much down, but it's a lot to communicate. And so they have to use the human tongue, and they just blab. These prophecies. Then when done, the Red Town Mothers were like, uh-huh. What are we supposed to in, in Walks of Shadows turn and left? Just left the cairn. 
And the elves are like, well, let's sit around for a second and stare, sniff a butt. <laughs> yeah, your butt's still good. I'm not scared either. That's what I got from your scent. And it's pretty strong, musky. We're all right. Um, let's bring them back and see what the hell they did that for. Let's go chase this guy, like figure out what's going on. And, and like the Red Talons are renowned, outstanding, like easily the tribe that's the best at tracking. Yeah. And they sent out their best trackers and <gasps> they couldn't find songs of shadows anywhere. Yeah. Not even a Red Talon theater. Somehow. And so the Red Talons went, well, F that. Get our best and go find them. And the Red Talons <laughs> said, okay. And they got together and they took off because that's what happens, you know, hierarchy alpha. They go through trials and tribulations, terror and worse, trouble and trouble and trouble. It's all there. Well, in the interim, the elders are like, hey, go around and at least start doing what they asked and, and you know, start telling this weird guy and see if we can find out who it is. And a rare show of Red Talons kind of actually using something like a background. And that's <laughs> go ask the neighbors of the others' territories and see what they know. And they're like, we never heard of songs or shouts. We don't know what this is about. And then the pack gets back. And the packet's back, and they look beat up, and they're like, Songs of Shadows isn't bullshit. And they're like, what do you mean? Well, we did what you said, and we followed, and and we found where they might have went and where the scent was, and we, we fought these great and powerful challenges and banes and worse, and we killed them and cleansed stuff and awesome heroic things for any campaign to go through. And just when we thought we were wasting our time, and we took our egg, and it might have been our last fight, and we were going to go further into the Umbra, out of nowhere, Songs of Shadows showed up, and he said, what the hell are you guys doing? Hmm. Like, Lily, what are you doing? I, I, I went, listen, look, I shouldn't have to come out and tell you what, listen, did I not tell you the prophecies yet? Sit down. Let me tell you one more time. And they were like, Oh God, he's going to talk again. And so they all <laughs> sat down two beaten to say no. And they heard, they paid the penalty. They got their ears beat up this time. They took notes. And I don't know how they did it. Some say that Red Talons are good at taking a twig and putting it in their mouth and marking it in the earth. And then they <laughs> ask a spirit to hold the form. And then they eat the earth later on to regurgitate it and play sort of like a, a puzzle piece so that they could show people what they know. I don't know how they exactly did it. Or all werewolves have eidetic memory. But either way, they remember this stuff, right? They're able to hold it down. And they get all the way back. And they tell everybody, we still weren't going to believe this asshole, even after he made us remember the stuff and eat the dirt of words. But as he left, we saw this red star in the sky or something like red light in the sky that changed colors. The Aurora Borealis changed colors like 13 times, letting <laughs> us know it was one for each tribe. Dun, dun. <laughs> and in that moment, we knew it was true. So we came back. And then when they came back, they heard <gasps> Constantinople fell, which was our, that was our prophecy. Boom. <laughs> Bomb. Oh no. What's and then they became proselytizers of the shadow prophecies of shadows and they went everywhere. They told everybody for years of telling everybody. It got so bad that the new um Jehovah's Witnesses are red talents. Red talents did it first. You heard it right. And they were going around in Karen's and they said, Hey Mike, I know you're the silver fang Karen, but can I tell you the coming of the Lord? Really, the prophecies of shadows. Psych, you already know about God. So in the prophecies, and Mike's like, kill him. Kill him, kill him what? now. I don't care who that is. Kill him. I'll take the hit. Just sweep him. Like, we'll bring him in. We'll do just kill him. And the Red Towns were like, well, wait, wait, bro. Cool out, cool out, cool out. You don't want to buy a book. Okay, we're over here. Now, now they're good. They had to calm down with it. And they, they kind of got away with it. And then the eclipse happens and everybody remembers what's going on. And that's sort of how it went. And that's uh, probably out of order a bit. But the point is, is that that's, that's the big thing that put all the tribes on notice in the Dark Ages. And they're trying to deal with their own prophecy now. Is it our turn when's it going to happen and what's it look like now i'm going to point out the black fury prophecy 
to me, clearly points out the the Russia incident that's going to happen, the Shadow Curtain. It talks about the crone domain and whatnot. That hints to Baba Yaga. We know that's good. That's a thing and it's going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. That's all coming. And I feel that's what that referral is. Get your houses in order, you know, but bad stuff's going to happen before we rebuild. In other words, the, the, the Black Furies need to reconfigure and figure out the way they're operating. And then it's like not really necessarily them as realizing how we treat one another as a nation to better prioritize what to do because they're relating to the conflicts that, that erupt in rage across Russia. And if you go read that, you can read about me. I won't regurgitate them here, but in that book, there's another talent of the worm they introduce and there's bad blood between the children of Gaia and red talons and there's nukes and even more worm power and even more worm power. And so that's, that's sort of what that sings to me. And it's like, well, that is a portent, portent, but is that Bob's power? To make to make that shit float and say that that's how I'm seeing and I'm wondering, hmm. I I have to say, I do think so. Because nowhere in this book does it tell you. Because look, man, look, okay. Songs of Shadows, the way his arrival is described is this red talon just comes walking out of the northern forest with the bearing of an elder and this great charisma and all of the other elder red talent like bend a knee and give him the Lion King bow and he just starts spitting his story out, right? And I'm like, how is he an elder red talent that none of the elder red talents have heard of and came from no tribe, sept, or cairn any of us is familiar with? Where did he come from? My opinion, Song of Shadows is not a red talent. He's a spirit. I don't know, man. Maybe the red circle invoked this guy. Maybe he's a demon. He's anything but a werewolf. I don't know Hang what he on, is. Mike. Like, Hold uh, on. I didn't think we were going to talk about that unique little treasure here because <laughs> that's my bad blood about this book. What, what do you mean, the red circle? What is that? Okay. All right. I'll try to do this quick. The red circle is, and I had to go over to Devil's Due to figure out, because they don't tell you enough in this book. But apparently, the red circle is a partnership of infernalist mages like the real kind and like merchants who kick the shit out of a cairn of shadow lords and, and not red talons. Pretty sure it's silver fangs just outside of Constantinople. Yeah, just kick the shit. Ban them from the city. It might have been... um. I, it was either it, maybe Silver Fangs and Glasswalkers because I remember it stuck in my head. Like of all tribes, they should not have been able to ban this particular tribe from a city the size of Constantinople. Anyway, right, right. But it's not just Constantinople. They've done the same thing in like Moscow and London and Berlin or whatever. What? And they can just do this. They're just infernalists and like greedy merchants that can sack a can and accept kick them off of these, kick the werewolves off of their land and either mystically or by martial means draw a line in the sand and tell them they can't walk into a major city? Well, well, Mike, I kind of feel that you're overlooking a big piece of the pie here. Maybe I am. I've they're, done that before. They're, in, they're infernalists. I don't know if you know this. If you look at Dark Ages supplements back in the day, all you had to say was, it's a demon, bro, and it happens. Uh, well, you know, I did go and look at Devil's Due. And they they can do some interesting shit, but what I'll tell you they can't do is deal with a raging Krynos Garu. 
Not now. not malediction. Not fucking. Uh, they got their three demonic things they do. They got pillars that are hold like up. disciplines. Go hold ahead. up, hold up. What they're going with is a methodology, right? That they're saying this red circle as merchants heavily infiltrate a city and know where to knock over the dominoes. Does that make more sense for you? Yeah, and they know to travel by sea and not by land. I get that. How are they right? banning Cause it, werewolves? Because it because it, it doesn't make sense to me. I. Right, because I'm like, I, just because you're merchants and you know who has what doesn't mean that person listens to you. But wait a second, you're a merchant, you can corrupt, and your infernalism. Okay, we'll put marks in your corner. How about this though? Can I can I talk a minute? Mm. You're just merchants. Yeah, you're not the one you. selling your soul. You're not the one selling your soul. Yeah, that would be the sorcerers. Yeah, which which are the lowest percentage of you who are getting to the nitty gritty occult stuff with that real power. Yeah. So that small group is the one doing it. So you're just some greedy ass merchant doing greedy ass merchant things. And with, you, with okay. your leg breaker friends. Could- no, 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 no. They call them assassins. <laughs> they call them assassins. See, when I hear assassin, I'm not saying when you hear assassin, you do think of something like, you know, Assassin's Creed, a secret cult within an organization, some training, some elite killing ability, the ability to stay in the shadows, sneak around and pull off some kill stuff. The kill, stabby, kill, kill, and kill some more. Move on, kill, stabby, stabby, kill. That's what you should be doing, right? Because you're good at it. What this says is, is really the merchants hired some thugs. Yeah. Anybody who could break some legs and extort and were like, yeah, cool, you're assassins. Go deal with this guy. And they went over and they dealt with that guy. And that's what kicked the shit out of the group. It's just that they had these armies that they were able to send. And I said, I would agree with that except for delirium. Right. And the curse. Both. Because you remember, they put a layer over the top of delirium in this book, too. We didn't get to that. but Oh, help me, Mike. You did right there. What's that curse? <laughs> so apparently, on top of the delirium that werewolves naturally invoke, like just by letting people see them shifted, there's this the curse thing where just by being a werewolf and regardless of what form you're in, you set mortals at ease and literally take negs to your dice pool for like just trying to do things in front of people that aren't supernal. Right. So. How? How do like mortal thugs and penny pinchers roll cairns from Turkey to the British Isles? And what I'm going to say to this is that it's the worm. It's the worm, clearly. I got um, no debate for you. You want me to stand against you, and all I got to say is, is that someone's <laughs> going to yell that out, and I'm going to be like, where? It doesn't even mention. In fact, it says it's distinctly not the word, but these are people who deal with infernalism and what have you, and it's a secret society. A secret society means they have their own means, and the red circle's there. But to be fair, there undoubtedly has got to be more about the red circle later on down the road, and we'll hold our breath. There may be even more about the, sh- the, the prophecies of shadow, although... I dug to look for extra about that. I didn't see anything yet. That doesn't mean there won't be. Just means I didn't see it. But at this at this point, at this book is as far as we've gotten in the series. And folks, let's let's hope let's hope Mike understands that through the power of prayer, uh, we can calm down mm. and seek a better way. Mike, I need <laughs> you to pray with me, dear Lord. We are gathered here at the end of this podcast to ask you to help Michael Moore. 
understand that, Lord, even though you allowed people to make this book, they were free to be bold and be daring and try some ideas for a new Dark Ages line. And, oh, Lord, though Mike was probably 12 when this book was written, he still had an idea that this book should be coherent and fit the line of the design of that he loved and the storytelling system. And, oh, Lord... Please make certain that everyone else understands I'm not knocking religion. And, and, and Mike, I need you to pray with me, okay? <laughs> In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, please grant Mike the strength needed to overcome all challenges of both prejudice and hate Amen. for the writing that he didn't do. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. And to everybody else, thanks for listening. We'll tune in next time. We went a little long there, and, and no, we're not hating our religion. It's just Mike and I both come from a heavily religious background. So um, there we are. So for that matter, um, thanks, thanks, folks, again. And uh, thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we'll, t- we'll catch you next time. Yes, sir. See you all soon. <laughs> thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com if you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade